What's up, creeps? So yeah. yeah. Hey, what you doing, there, honey? How you doing? Y'all ready for this? Cause I'm ready. I'm ready to give it to you. Welcome to a brand new episode of your favorite horror podcast. That's right, motherfucker. Brain stew. <laughs> oh, and yes, we are dropping this shit on your ass on none other than April Fool's Day. I think that's a, a perfect date that perfectly represents the kind of behavior that we project on this episode, on this program, on this podcast every single week. My name is Justin. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Brady O'Reilly O'Toole O'Shea. Birata Alada, the Biratty with wings. Biratty. Be uh, Beratatui. Ooh, you know uh, that's mm. that's a good one. That's a good one. I think we're gonna come up with a new one like every single yeah. week. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, we have to. Right off the cuff, but ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in this week on the episode. We have a super special retrospective for you. Uh, but before we get into that shit, we have not taken the time in like like many many weeks to just shoot the shit around the room. And I know Jeremy has been all across the planet. The I past do. Couple weeks. I so, am, uh, dude. What the fuck's up, man? Interplanetary traveler of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, except for the places that I go. We're often places uh, like in the Midwest where you can eat really uh, delicious. Really fattening, awesome fucking food, man. Yeah, I uh, went to. Are you really calling White Castle awesome? Really? You know what's you know what's really you <laughs> Dude, know what's, Harold and Kumar went. Yeah, there, yeah, right? they they sure did. Oh, there's a movie about it. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, you know what's really weird about White Castle is sometimes like when there's freezer versions of things that you love, mm-hmm. it, like it ends up being like okay, yeah, I can taste a little bit of that, but it's like the freezer version. Dude, literally. The frozen White Castle shit that you can get from the grocery store tastes identical to how it tastes in store. No way. I fucking identical, dude. To where I was like, yo, this is good, but it literally tastes exactly like the frozen ones. Like, they nailed it. Good for them. They figured out, you know, quality Probably control. They yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we deep fried them. Just uh, throw them in the freezer, ship them out, get the fuck out of here. Is that what they sound like in the Midwest? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that guy in the Midwest yeah. that sounds like that. What are yeah. you talking about? Uh, it's, like, you, it's usually Jeremy. <laughs> you're gonna finish. You're gonna finish smoking that cigarette. Like you want the one that I'm smoking right now. Like yeah, can I can I finish that? It's like okay, here you go. Um, I'm dude. not even gonna lie. I've been, I've been that guy in the Midwest. <laughs> you were in you were in Cincinnati. Right? I was in Cincinnati. where people call me Daddy? Dude. Last time I went there, I think it was like 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. The whole city smelled like piss. <laughs> so it's like LA. So it's, it's like LA then. What were you doing there? I went were to work like there. Oh, I thought you were at a dick sucking convention. <laughs> no, that was Columbus. <laughs> I, I know that you attend those on occasion, so I wasn't sure if that's, you know, if Cincinnati was a big dick sucking For the last there. time, it's a hot dog eating contest. Oh. It was a county fair. And you made some mistakes. <laughs> and I made okay. some mistakes. I started too early. It was the judge. It wasn't the actual hot dog. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, I went. I went to Horror Hound Weekend, which, man, the last Horror Hound show I went to was in 2018 for the uh, 40th anniversary of, of Halloween uh, in Pasadena. So it was really great getting back to a Horror Hound show. Horror Hound has consistently been one of, if not like my favorite horror conventions out there. They they run a really smooth show. They always get an awesome roster of guests. Um, it's you know, sometimes you go to these conventions and you get people that, that that are like they're volunteering there. And it's like, you know, those are the people that you have to walk up to sometimes and ask questions. And they're like, I, 
I don't fucking know. I don't know. To where at Horror Hound, it's not like that. You walk up to to somebody that's working there as a staff member, and you're like, hey, where's this? They're like, oh, let me help you out. And if they can't help you out, they find somebody that can help you out to where other shows are like, I don't know, just keep walking around. Maybe you'll find it. You know, so I, I love Horror Hound. It was, it was, it was great being back at it. Uh, it was great seeing a lot of friends that I haven't seen in years either. And man, it felt like how conventions felt pre-pandemic because I've gone to some shows, you know, uh, over the past year and, you know, they've all kind of felt like, you know, you, you feel the, you know, post-COVID vibe to them to where this one, man, it felt exactly like a show that I would have gone to in, in 2018, 2019. So it was great. You know, um, got to see Nev Campbell again. Uh, got her on a full-size screen poster. Um, I got Uncle Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, got him on a uh, Crazy, Lloyd. Crazy Lloyd. Got him on a Toxic Avenger 4 poster. I met, Dude, the biggest one for me was Tony Cecere. Uh, who he needs, he needs more recognition. This is a guy that played Freddy Krueger, stunt Freddy Krueger. He played stunt the thing and John Carpenter's the thing. And he played, wasn't he he played stunt Ghostface. He was the one that killed Kenny uh, in the news van. That was, that was him. Um, he was the stunt coordinator on that and he's still working on big things. He was the stunt coordinator on the most recent Texas Chainsaw movie. Um, and Scream, Scream 5. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He, uh. He did uh, the 2003 Texas Chainsaw movie, but he did Scream 5. So okay. he's still he's still at it, man, and uh, he's somebody that I've wanted to meet for years. So I got him on my The Thing poster. Uh, what's really rad is his daughters were with him, right? And so, like, your average fan didn't realize who the fuck they were. But I'm not your average horror fan, fellas. No, he's not. And ladies. You are the above and beyond. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that nerd. I'm that nerd. I'm cool with that. So I, as I walk up, to his table and I'm pulling my poster out and I was like, Hey, how's it going? I was like, I looked at the two chicks at his table and I was like, are you guys his daughters? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. You guys were the jump rope girls in their original nightmare on Elm street. And they were like, yes, yes we were. And I was like, Oh fuck. That's awesome. Like that's one of my all time favorite movies. So when I got my picture with Tony, I was like, I asked his daughters, like, can you get in the picture with me? And they were like, yeah, yeah, of course. So it was, it was pretty rad, man. I'm trying to think. Uh, Dick Warlock was there, which is a big deal because he retired from doing conventions and, you know, he came out of retirement. He's doing a bunch of shows coming up, you know. Uh, so That's wonderful. I'm re- really looking forward to meeting him. Oh, he's great, man. He's for sure. He's great. And uh, I got Adam Green. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Adam Green's really cool because he's directed a bunch of movies and written a bunch of movies. And, and I really dig his filmography. And he signs for free. For free. So what that's, a nice that's unheard of these days. And you know who, who really always consistently surprises me is Kane Hodder because this is a guy that's been doing horror conventions since the 80s. And he's at almost feasibly every horror convention that's out there. And there's a fucking lot of horror conventions now. And his line is always consistently long as fuck still. I'm talking about, I literally watched it because I was in Adam Green's line and I was like, all right, Adam Green's line moves slow because he takes the time. He's like signing for free. So he's not in any rush to get anybody in and out, right? So I was like, all right, I, I saw his line was moving slow. So I jumped in line for him. And Kane Hodder's table was next to him. And there was nobody in line because Kane wasn't sitting there yet. Dude, no bullshit. I swear to God. The moment Kane sat at his table, a line of 80 people instantaneously formed. Like literally oh, out yeah. of fucking thin air to where I was like, Hey, look, it's Jason fucking Voorhees. Oh, my God. It's the guy. It's the security guard from Jason Goes to Hell. It's the guy from 
from Ghoulies Goes to College that fell down the stairs. Yeah, so, dude, like instantly to where I had uh, started a full-size hatchet poster because Adam Green signed for free. Like, why not? So I was like, man, I really want to get Kane Hodder, but I've met the guy so many times, man. I'm not, I'm not waiting in his line again. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. And my buddy Corey, my fellow Fredhead Corey, was like, he overheard me say that. Like, yeah, I want to get him, but I don't want to wait in his line. He was like, I have a line jump pass that I'm not going to use. Do you want it? And I was like, yes, I do. Thank you. So I got to go to the front of Kane's line, and he signed my poster, and he was like, we're not doing a picture. And I was like, Kane, I've literally met you 800 times, and I have 800 pictures of you choking me. Like, I'm good. I don't need... I don't need another picture, but thank you. It's, it's he was like, oh, well, it's always great. See, now I, I I would never ever say no, I guess, but I I, I guess I understand. But well, he charge he charges for those pictures no. now as well. Oh, he does. Okay, yeah. I got you now. All right, well, that makes total sense. Yeah, now. and he doesn't do the. How much? He doesn't. Uh, I think it's twenty bucks. Twenty oh. bucks. I have so many pictures with him. Why do I need to pay twenty dollars to get another one? But actually, I don't think he does the choking pictures anymore. I don't think he can because he had the lawsuit, right? Uh, that's that's what I've been told. I I heard. I, I don't know whether that's just like fan talk, like he got fucking sued, and then like it's kind of like the Richard Gear gerbil well, thing, bro, you mean, know, where people just go, "Yeah, that that sounds right." You've had his hands around your neck when when he did it to me. He definitely fucking choked for oh, yeah. real. Like it definitely hurt a little bit. So and then he fucked up that uh, at that Monster Mania. Like a fan had a, a machete, like a real machete, and. Mm. He went to slam it down on the table, and his friend uh, that directed the movie Death House, <clears throat> um, I think last second he was trying to move something out of the way, and dude, the machete caught his arm, and it was like a literal horror film. Like he ran to the bathroom, and blood was squirting out of his arm. Like people uploaded pictures onto Damn. social media of just like puddles of blood. So, needless to say, that was the last Monster Mania event that. They allowed any weapons of any of any any, kind, real, any real weapons. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah, that's that's what I did, man. I got to eat some delicious pizza. I got to eat at Skyline Chili, which was great. And I, you know, had the the White Castle thing, man. And it was it was great. Pooped a lot. And you shat that shit out the next day, probably in epic fashion. No, probably that same day. Probably that oh, same that. half an hour later. Yeah. See, I've never had White Castle, and I remember uh, about a year ago for B Ratty's birthday when we went up to hang out with Vintage Horror and saw Scream. Um, there was a White Castle, and I was like, I want to eat that when I'm hungover. And then when I saw it, I was like, Nah, I'm good. I like it, man. It's, uh, I mean, uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's just like, it's fast food. You know what I mean? Like, is it groundbreaking? No, but was it tasty? Yeah, it was. It was. It's pretty good. Yeah. Like, especially if you haven't had it in a while. Do you have any near you, Brady? Uh, no, the closest ones are in New York. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, we have a Shake Shack up here, which Ooh. also gives me the runs, but, yeah. you know. Shake Shack's some shit, though. That's some Shake, good fast Here's food. my story about Shake Shack. <clears throat> so, Paige and I have these friends that I met them on the Tinder. one friend's birthday. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an entanglement. Thank you. <laughs> um. But we were going to the casino, so they like rented an Airbnb in outside of the casino in Maryland, National Harbor, and we went. Everybody's drunk by the time we got there because we were late because it was also like my family's Thanksgiving dinner. Anyways, I had never been to a casino, and I was like, I am fucking ready to just play some games. Like, I'm not going to go crazy. Here's my allowance, but I want to go to a casino. So we all go there, and birthday boy's like, hey, 
I really need to eat something because I'm feeling pretty hungover. Like already, I've already like puked my guts out tonight. And they got that Shake Shack right there in the casino. Yep. And I was like, cool, there's plenty of restaurants we can go to. We went to Shake Shack. And then we waited in line for like 30 fucking minutes. And then after we ate, I'm like, all right, let's go hit the floor. And they're like, actually, he kind of wants to just go home and go to sleep. He's not feeling great. (laughs) So we all went to a fucking casino just to eat Shake Shack and then went right back to the the Airbnb. Was your fucking ankle tied to him, motherfucker? You couldn't have made a big boy decision for yourself? Like, all right, you go get some rest. Would Would you fucking get in bed with him and massage his shoulders? Everybody was leaving. See, this is why we're here, B-Ratty, to school you and educate you and be your fathers yes. so we can tell you yeah, what you should do in certain The last time we all went somewhere together, I ended up the one passed out in a hotel <laughs> bed while you guys went out and did whatever the fuck. You're supposed to. You're the youngest. <laughs> right. That, that's, that's part of Although, your initiation. I will say that was like the weirdest sense of time. Like I, I would wake up just... <laughs> here and there and not realize what time it was like remember jeremy yeah. when justin was sleeping you and i went to get pizza and it was like 11 o'clock at night and we're like oh it's like 6 p.m yeah time just didn't exist i would then. i would die now because like i'm on like dad time like a motherfucker now so like 11 p.m oh, is yeah. like fucking middle of the night for me i've always wondered like when we've done trips and shit how you were able to function with like zero sleep, but you know how? Cause he slept in the backseat of the car while we talked about cannibalism. That's right. Well, cannibalism and is, and then peed on the yeah. side of the road, which I still have that picture. I have that picture as well. <laughs> it will forever be ingrained in my brain, but, um, that's fucking awesome. Um, I didn't do much the past couple. I'm moving. So that's hell what's going yeah. On in my world. Uh, I got to get the keys to our house. We closed on it two days Congrats. ago and we're going to be doing it's that. Uh, it's a nice size trailer. Um, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you so. excited to finally like display a lot more of your collectibles? You mean like all, almost the, all the ones that are <laughs> in, sitting in storage for the past seven years? Yes. Oh, yeah, the answer to that is yes. I'm going to have to go through a lot of shit and probably sell a lot of it off or donate it because I'm, you know, I don't. I collected like literally everything for a long time, and I definitely don't need or want all of that. But I'm most excited to build. A podcast studio. So for our listeners, it's going to be fucking rad, man. Like, I'm really looking forward to creating something so we can do more video content and all of that cool shit because I'll have the space to do it. Um, But other than that, I actually went to like three concerts uh, in the meantime. That's all I've done. That was fun. I saw The Midnight this last weekend and they were amazing as always. Um, The week before that, I saw Alpha Wolf in Baltimore and they fucking destroyed it. And then... uh, the week before that, I went and saw Vane at the Black Cat oh. in D.C., and it was probably the most intense fucking aggressive metal show I've been to in 10 years. Like, it felt like I was my old self again, and people were just nuts. It was absolutely fucking, oh, man, just like taking a shot of aggression and just putting it right into your arm and... There, it was just fantastic. That's so, awesome. You yeah, were no. like uh, Batman at the end, <laughs> where he starts beating the shit. Out of <laughs> yeah, it was literally. I mean, I, I was standing there, and the weird thing was going to these shows, and, and I, you know, you guys are aware of my normal, my my normal regime or regimen, if you will, going to shows. I usually have at least a handful of drinks, and I went to all of these shows sober since I haven't been drinking anything, and it's a really weird feeling being there and like really soaking in the music and in the moment and the actually there being yeah. yeah like really like focusing in every fucking bit of every second of music so it was really awesome actually um awesome. i mean 
So yeah, dude, I, I saw Glassjaw last week. Oh yeah, that's and right. uh, dude, I gotta tell you, man, I'm I'm feeling every bit of 38 years old because I was I was like me me and my buddy <laughs> we uh we were sitting in the the seats above like you know we paid extra to be able to sit and you know be in the box seat. At the area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great area. And uh, dude, like looking down and seeing the people throwing the fuck down. Was it was crazy? You know what's funny is that my drummer and my bass player were at that same show, and then a guitar player from another one of my bands was there as well. And they were like, You're "Going upstairs?" I was like, "Yeah, bro. Like, I work today. I'm tired. I'm old as fuck. I'm old as fuck." And they were like, "You fucking <laughs> pussy." And I was like, "Yep." As I sit in my comfortable seat and get to actually enjoy the show, but it was uh, it's different, man. Going to metal shows now is different because I look at I look at how you know. I'm like, man, I used to be in those pits and, and doing that shit. And now I'm like, that is a quick trip to the hospital. Easy. I, yeah. I definitely debated that when I was at Vane. Like I was right there on the cusp, like right on the outside of the pit. And I really wanted to like fuck some shit up. And I, you know, I, I was definitely like moving around a little bit, but I, de- I was like, man, I used to be doing spin kicks and shit all over the place. I'm like, I'm not about to fucking pull a muscle or anything like that a few weeks from moving to a new place. So, oh, God. you know, ruin, ruin my, my gym ruin. shit too, bro. But, um, well, the worst is well, like when you get through like the show and you feel fine in the moment because of all the adrenaline and then the next morning you go to get out of bed and you're like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Dude, I've dislocated my jaw at shows from going in the pit. I've, well, that's like, from going to the broke, bathroom. I've <laughs> broke my ankle. I've done all kinds of crazy shit. You know, broken my hand like three times, boxers fracture and whatever. So, mm. all back in the, Good old days. Not not all about that now. So, especially not when I'm sober. I'm like I can actually think about those things before I make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but enough of all that nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. We're here to talk about fucking horror movies. And on this date, it is April Fool's Day. We thought it proper to talk about the 1986 American black comedy horror film, April Fool's Day. So we're going to take a quick promo break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about that Amy Steele, baby, in April Fool's Day. April Fool's. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure. Livestream for the Cure is a charity event where we raise money with content creators and podcast partners from around the world for the Cancer Research Institute, a wonderful nonprofit researching cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This is a mission and a future that I truly believe in. And myself and my team worked tirelessly over the past five years to raise over $50,000 for this cause. This year, we're aiming for our biggest single goal to date of $20,000, and we cannot do it without your help. Please join us for the event May 19th through the 21st, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern for 45 hours of content from people all over the world. Together, we can bring hope for a future immune to cancer. The more eyes we reach, the more dollars we raise. Please help us in making this goal a reality. Together, we can make a difference. And we are back with April Fool's Day from 1986. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, baby. Yep. All right. When was the first time you guys saw this movie? I can answer it first. Uh, I remember yeah. my dad renting it for me, and I was super pumped, man. I was I was probably 
eight years old, nine at the oldest, and I was I was I was uh, I was burning through slasher films like at that point in time, which not much has changed since then. Like slashers were my fucking favorite thing. So I saw I saw that box art with the chick with the the weapon behind her back, and I said, "All right, well, cool. Let's let's do this one. It looks it looks like it's gonna be rad." And so I'm gonna tell you right now, I've only seen this movie twice. Twice I saw it when I was eight or nine years old. And then I saw it yesterday. Um, Holy shit. So you weren't lying when you said, you know, it'll be great to do this episode because you haven't revisited it. In I was I was not joking. <laughs> I have not seen this movie in like 25 oh, fucking man. years. And you know what's funny is how lazy I, I guess I am. I don't want to lump anybody else in with it. I own this on DVD, right? And so all my movies are downstairs. So I was like, all right, I need, I need to watch this movie. So I looked and it wasn't streaming on anything that I had. And I was like, fuck. I was like, all right, well, it's $2.99 on Amazon. So rather than walk downstairs, and I have a portable DVD player too. So rather than walk downstairs and grab the DVD, I was like, well, I'm spending $3 and I fucking paid to watch it. Hey, man, time is money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. $2.99 going down three levels of stairs, you know? I've... So yeah, I watched it. And, uh, you know, there it was, and we'll we'll get into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, very similar situation as Jeremy. And, you know, I, I know we talk about this all the time on the show, but fuck me, do I miss the days of going into a video store and picking up a movie solely based on the box art. I mean, Jeremy said it perfectly. The front cover is the chick with her her hair is braided into a noose and she's holding a butcher knife in front of a table full of other characters. Um, it instantly sparks your interest and grabs your eye. And I remember I was like 15, 16 ish. I was dating a girl named Jen and it was summer and we were literally going to the video store that her older brother managed as a high schooler, you know, shout out to Jen back then. Shout out to Jen white. Who's we still talk. Once <laughs> Bam, in a while. Tell, tell her you um, name dropped has... her in this episode. <laughs> well, I'm sure she's going to be so excited <laughs> and how exclusive that may be for her. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I remember we were going through like, like Jeremy said, like everything they had and they didn't really have a very wide variety of slashers. They had a few of the Friday, the 13th, they had mostly all the Halloweens and shit. So this was one of the only other ones that they had, and we rented it, me and my buddies. And, you know, that's something we're going to talk about in this discussion is expectation versus reality within a movie. And if, you know, what they're trying to do with their twist works or it doesn't, because this movie, you could go either way with it. And just like when it came out in theaters, it was literally split down the middle. You know, people hailed it for its originality and the suspense and trying to do something different with the genre. And then other people like us that probably went to the theater to see a slasher walked out of it like, what the fuck? I want my money back. And that actually did happen uh, with this movie, but we will get into that. So I will throw it back to you, though, B-Ratty. Um, was this your first time watching it? No, this wasn't my first time, but like Jeremy, okay. it was only my second time. Um, it kind of goes into like what you're saying about walking into the movie stores back when you guys were young. I didn't really have that. I mean, we it's had like a, a you didn't get to experience. We had that, a Hollywood right? movie, but my parents wouldn't really ever let me go in. They would go in and like pick something themselves. But I'm a huge like champion of streaming services. And for me, it's the same thing. Like you just see everything lined up there. And so how I saw April Fool's Day was I saw the cover. I think when I saw it, it was streaming on Shutter, And I was like, that looks fucking cool. Like with the hair and the noose. And I had no idea what it was about. 
just turned it on and started watching it. I saw it was like, what, a little over an hour and a half runtime. So easy to knock out before work one day. And, and yeah, and then uh, uh, that was about three years ago. And so I rewatched it again the other day for the episode. And uh, it wasn't like blurry at all. Most of it still stuck with me, but there still were a few parts that I was like, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I mean, I've watched this movie a handful of times, and I think it was two years ago or a year ago or so when Shout Factory, Scream Factory, if you will, uh, put out a 4K restoration special edition Blu-ray, which I bought, which is absolutely gorgeous, mind you. So if you're listening to this and you like the movie or after hearing this, you want to see the movie, pick it up. I'm pretty sure it's still in stock. Um, Mm. It's not out of print yet. Gorgeous looking fucking movie, man. I'll tell you that right now. Oh yeah, but, I think. Oh, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, no, no. Interrupt this me all movie, you want, motherfucker. This I'll movie put you is over much my for right now. Okay, <laughs> you know what? I'm done. Uh, this movie for me, one of the biggest things that sticks out on the rewatch was that it gives me that overwhelming feeling of springtime. Yeah, you know, where like a Friday the Thirteenth movie might give you the feeling of summer. Halloween sure. is obviously Halloween. This one, like, just watching it, especially the shots of them, like on the ferry going over across the lake. I was like, man, it just, I'm ready for it to be spring. Did it give you the spring outside. fever? It yeah. gave you the spring fever. Give me the you're spring smelling fever. the flowers. Your balls are getting hard. Your dick's starting to get erect. And you're like, I'm ready to jizz, man. Well, that was, that was Amy Steele. But yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so this movie came out uh, and it made some money. Uh, it looks like it was like, I think 3.4 million during its opening weekend. It ended up grossing 13 million and on a budget of 5 million. You know, that's, that's a win. A, small small success but it was paramount pictures and they were the house of friday the 13th and jason Voorhees. so typically those movies made a decent chunk more than that which it was Um, it was produced by uh frank frank mancuso jr who was producing the friday the 13th films this this movie looks like a friday the 13th film and i'm not just because amy Steele is in it and she was in friday the 13th part two but it literally looks like a friday the 13th movie to where uh I was watching it, and, and my wife walked in the room, and she was like, oh, are you watching a Friday the 13th movie? I was like, well, uh, no, but yeah, it looks exactly like one. Yeah, and yep. so this movie, to those uninitiated, follows a group of college students vacationing on April Fool's Day weekend on an island estate, uh, which is infiltrated throughout the movie by an unknown entity slash assailant. And of course, hijinks ensue, and shit hits the fan, and it goes in nutty directions um i think this movie um tends to go more towards the suspense thriller than it does the slasher because any kind of deaths that occur in the movie happen usually off screen and we know why so i just want to give a a spoiler warning now if you haven't seen the movie you probably should go watch it before you listen because we're just going to talk about the entire thing and this is the kind of movie guys and i don't know how you feel about this but that if you already knew the twist going in, I feel like the movie would just wouldn't work for you. It's like an it's like an it's like an M that? Night Shyamalan thing. Like, like there's some of his movies that have replayability, right? Like like Signs. I love that fucking movie. But it's like watching The Sixth Sense the whole time you you rewatch it, you're analyzing the fact that you know the twist, right? You know that Willis's character is actually dead, and it makes you. Watch it in a different way. There's not, you know, that huge ending that that blows you away. Like, oh, they fucking, he fucking got me. You know, this, and I feel like that's one of the reasons I haven't watched this movie in 25 years. I remember the twist. And, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get into it, but, you know, um, 
it's it's hard going back and rewatching this thing um, over and over again, in my opinion. Yeah, I think definitely knowing the twist gives you a different perspective on the movie. But even just in the two or three years between my two viewings, like I, I still found things about it I enjoyed. So I don't think it's completely unrewatchable. But I think the the ending just kind of hangs overhead the entire time. So there aren't as many impactful death scenes once you kind of know what's going on. Yeah, you're kind of sitting there waiting for the end to happen yeah. just because you know it's coming. Um, but I, I won't lie, like this is sometimes an annual viewing for me on April Fool's Day. I just It's an excuse to go revisit it. And I think when you know the twist in particular for this movie, you, you find yourself really just analyzing everything a lot more, like every setup, all the pranks, you know, the buildup to everything, which the movie has a fantastic buildup. There's a fantastic level of suspense throughout the movie at times. Um, and when you go into it blind and you don't know, I mean, the funny thing is, is <laughs> the movie's called April fucking Fool's Day, right? So you see that these characters are starting off immediately with pranks, like it's within the first five to 10 minutes that you're seeing them pranking each other, that you should be aware, I think, to be guarded and be like, well, is everything I'm seeing real or are there going to be a lot more fake outs? Because there's so many fake outs really early on in the movie. Um, what I find interesting about this movie is it came out in 86. And it's an attempt at a, at a holiday themed horror movie. Like many years after that was a thing. When the slasher film of that era, minus the big hitters like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, the Friday the 13th, had really gone down in popularity. So that might also be another element in why it didn't like, you know, blow up the fucking box office. Also... Paramount Pictures, much like many other studios during that era, had no idea how to market this thing. And they ended up marketing it as a straight up slasher, which I don't I don't think was minus that cover art in the poster. I think it was probably a mistake to do. For that. Sure. Oh, 100 percent. You know, the one thing that I'll say uh, about the beginning of this film is I really like the characters in this movie. They're not like your your cardboard horror movie characters. They're all very distinct and, and I, I said a, a similar thing on our last episode talking about X this film does a great job of making each character is identifiable is that a word identifiable I'm pretty sure it is yeah, Brady's yeah. the English majors okay yeah. there we go cool I know I know words that have more than one syllable it's great um so you know you congratulations you. um so you can look at these characters and, and they all have their own distinct qualities and they're all likable man and I remember being super young watching this being like, oh shit, Biff's in this motherfucker. Biff, yeah. Biff oh, yeah. from Back to the Future. Uh, Thomas Wilson, question mark, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, Thomas F. Wilson, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, we met him, all of us. Yeah, we did. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, or, 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 or you mean we paid to stand behind that's ex- him? That's, yeah, you guys got all the cool <laughs> ones, and I got fucking stuck he didn't, he over didn't at say Christopher Lloyd didn't us. talk at all. Yeah, <laughs> it was Leah Thompson who looked and said hi, guys, or whatever, and the rest of them just stood there like cardboard cutouts. Yeah, yeah they did. It was fine. Uh, but but we have a picture yeah. with him, though, and he's smiling, so that's uh, cool. Biff was in this motherfucker, and dude, he was uh, very unlike Biff in this movie. He was likable. He was funny. Uh, I, I dug his character, and, and one more call-out is Clayton Roner. Gave the ladies a bone, not stupid. Um, he played, he played <laughs> Chaz in this movie, and, and you know what? I dug the, f- I dig the fuck out of his outfits in this movie and his hair. 
Oh, I'm with dude, you, bro. He I reminded me of uh, Kristen Slater from True Yeah, Romance. I'm like, dude. Like, no, watching it, I was like, I'm like, okay. this movie came out in 86, and I would rock the fucking shit out of that outfit and that hair right now. I'm with you, bro. And also, he, uh, as an actor, he's in one of my favorite teen comedy movies of all fucking time, Just One of there the Guys. Mm. He's he's fantastic in that, and also dresses really great in that as well. But on, on the subject of the cast, I think the cast is fucking fantastic. I think they're all really good actors, and they all bring something really special to each one of their individual characters. Um, and they all, a lot of them have a heavy horror pedigree. You know, Clayton was also in The Relic, you know... Um, I know Ken Olant was in Leprechaun. Ugh, yeah. uh, Deborah Foreman, who plays Muffy, uh, she was in Valley Girl. That's not a horror movie, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like a lot, these people all went on. Griffin O'Neill was in The Wraith and Ghoulies 3. Uh, Amy Steele, Friday the 13th Part 2. So it's such a great like horror pedigree in the movie. And then we have Fred Walton directing, who is the guy who made one of the best horror movies ever during that era, When a Stranger Calls. And... You know, he, he kind of has this horror pedigree and he started this idea of wanting to do horror movies based on the urban legend of the guy inside the house. You know, the phone call is coming from inside the house and which became like a trope within almost every fucking slasher movie after that. So this guy's kind of like, you know, to, to blame and to thank for that classic element of a slasher movie. So he brought something, I think, a really special type of direction to this movie. Um, so it's got all of the talent in place to make something really great. Does it work? Does it all work? Does it work a little? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. I do. Going back to the beginning, Jeremy, you talked about the characters. Yeah, I think it's a great introduction for all of them, and they seem to mesh together really well. But the thing that stuck out for me is like that found footage kind of aspect where they're filming each other. And so it gives anything that starts off with a sort of found footage or you're watching people film each other always just kind of gives me the creeps because it's so ominous. Yeah. And so not knowing anything about this movie and it starts off with Mary being filmed, talking about her name. I was like, Oh man, is this about to be like Dude, did it, some did sort it, of did snuff it, film? Did it frighten you that she says she fucks on the first date? That's a little intimidating. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, I love that element that it opens up with like, think about it back in 86. That was fresh, man. Cause camcorders like had just started to come on the scene like really heavily. So that was definitely like almost artistic in, in its it, the way that they had developed that for the opening of the movie. Because oh. the movie opens with that aspect ratio. Yeah. Like the actual Paramount logo is in that aspect ratio video. So that's really cool. It was good. And then, not to get too far ahead, but you know, when, once they're all, it just goes in line with the characters. Once they're all getting on the ferry to go across and Chaz goes over to the boat dock guy and he's like, excuse me, sir. Your fly's down and your hostess Twinkie's hanging out. And he bends down to look and he just kisses. He goes right on the forehead. So funny, dude. So funny. <laughs> I found myself in this movie being like, what the fuck is going on with these characters? But like in a believable, like, this is just how your friends act. Like, this is something I could see Jeremy or Justin doing to somebody. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. How about, how about the dude that uh, Springsteen's still the boss? <laughs> <laughs> so many funny little lines in this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, by far, it's it's written way better than your typical generic run-of-the-mill fucking body count slasher. I think that they were really trying to create something 
top level in terms of like a suspense thriller. Like they wanted these characters to be at least semi-layered and give them some kind of depth where they're not just, you know, numbers to be picked off one by one. And I think that's really the, the dialogue in general. It's very snappy. There's a lot of funny jokes. Um, there's also a lot of strange, like light homophobic vibes at yeah. times. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm happy it doesn't go into like mean spirited territory, but there's a lot of, you know, them laying in the bed together and then Thomas Wilson doing the gay voice, which he actually could play a pro- like proper gay character in a movie. He sounded perfect. But um, luckily, overall, the movie itself, uh, it knows its tone and it sticks with it. There is a lot of sex talk in this fucking movie. I mean, we're talking you hear the word anal penetration uh, yep. in a scene where you see hot dogs being cooked and then beans <laughs> poured into a bowl. So it's like, what the fuck's with the beans? Oh, I get it. Yep. Hot dog beans. That and, oh, uh, there that it is. And the plowing the field. Oh man. Yeah. What a great one-liner. But yeah, so this movie sets up right from the beginning, and you're seeing this group of kids. You're getting to know them, and you're seeing that they're pranking the shit out of each other. And one of the first pranks you see is like I don't know what the fuck the game was. Where was it a thing in the '80s? Like, was it normal for dudes just to be like? yo, let's grab a switchblade and fucking try to stab each other. Like, I, I, I didn't know that was like a, a, a normal, th- I mean, other than like the fucking beat it video. I don't know. We never played that in Mennonite school, so I don't know. I'm going to have to defer to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was like just kind of a strange thing. I'm like, oh, okay. So it was normal for kids to be like, yo, you want to you wanna try to stab each other? That was a really intricate prank though. Like, they had to have like put a lot of uh, thought and work in that. And like for him to be able to, in a split second, like, you know, put that little appliance on himself. Like, that yeah. was pretty, pretty intricate, man. You know, good for them. Yeah. Good for no, them. I mean, I think even even before we see that, one of my favorite things about the opening is, you know, this character, uh, Muffy, you know, kind of having this flashback. She's down in the basement. She's seeing this um, Jack in the Box. And then she's, you know, she's having this birthday party. And and then like there's like this family friendly like almost like Beethoven esque fucking music playing in the background like you're gonna have a giant dog jump on her lap and lick her or something, and then the Jack in the Box opens up and it's like this fucking disgusting penis monster, <laughs> <laughs> like a fantastic jump scare in that scene. Oh, not all Jack in the Boxes look like that. Just the just the did ones you that you have, Brady. Did oh, you okay, not have okay. a Jack in the Box when you were a kid? I did, but I, I didn't really like clowns. So. It is kind of an old school thing. Like I remember I had one, but it's not like kids are I mean, Jeremy, you buying your kids jack Fuck in the box. No, those motherfuckers are scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I mean yeah, it's an intricate prank. And especially like when Arch just like chucks the knife at him. I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? And then comes up and they're all laughing. And then the fucking boat hand. Was it Buck? Was that his name? He's like, Buck, yeah. no, no, no. I'll just tie it in from down here. I'll tie it in from down here. And he's like laughing at it all. I was like, if I was his boat hand, I would not be having any of no. this shit. Like I just jumped in here to save your ass on my boat. And now I'm just laughing in the water. Like, oh, these kids, <laughs> fake knives. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so the name, the name of the game is stretch. I had to like, look that up. Cause I'm like, what the fuck were they talking about? And then they're like, what are you, a fucking wimp? It's like, shit, man. So, like, I mean. I'd be like, yeah, I am. Playing with knives, man. You don't fuck around with that. But, like, 
we see this character buck the boat hand and he looks like he gets like <laughs> smashed and he's got the big fucking eyeball hanging out of his head and it's not to be confused with bucky from halloween four bucky no no <laughs> bucky don't try that halloween shit with me <laughs> don't try that boat and shit with I, me. i love the uh the the boat prank with uh the dude that get, gets his face quote unquote like smashed from the boat and he like comes up and his like yeah, yeah. face is all fucked up he's got like an eyeball hanging out it's pretty I, I love that one and like dude I remembered that and I was like oh shit like it still hit for me I was like I really fucking I really dig that I gotta be honest at this part I kept getting Sleepaway Camp, the opening, mixed up with this one, so I remembered the guy getting hit by the boat, but I didn't remember like him surviving and yeah. having the fucked up face. I was like, oh, it's going to be like in Sleepaway Camp when they yeah. die. But I mean, imagine that. like You're a bunch of fucking young college kids. You're on this boat. You're prepared to have like a super fun weekend of partying, and it looks like an attempt at penetration with sexual interactions. And then you see this fucking boat hand get his fucking eye popped out of his head. And they're all just kind of like, okay. Let's, I was going to say, it go didn't affect him. Well, no, <laughs> not still at all. get fucked up. That's something that happens a lot in the movie where there's are situations where, you know, as the suspense builds and we think some of these characters are being killed off and they witness some of these things. It, two seconds later, they're still trying to have sex with each other or making jokes or, you know, fooling around, if you will. So it, it, it doesn't necessarily play in the way that you think they'd want it to be considering that they're trying to play it straight for the audience to not think that any of this shit is fake to yeah. the build up to the end. You know what I mean? It's to, I would think that you'd want all the characters to be like terrified by these events. Not well, like, yo, I'll suck your dick, bro. Yeah. I also think that the movie kind of suffers from, it's not a true slasher, but because it's marketed like one you're expecting it the killer to be Muffy or you're expecting the killer now to be Buck because he's the one who's been hurt and like the revenge. So throughout the movie, you're like, well, th this isn't really adding up. And so that's kind of like, especially on the second time around, you're like, well, this is why it doesn't add up. But I found myself on the first viewing being like wondering why some, like why does Muffy want to kill them? Why? I understand Buck, but Buck's in the hospital. Like it, it just, it nothing made this, sense. This movie, and, and I'll just throw it out there early. I don't really give a fuck. It, this movie's really weird because it's it's a slasher movie, right, that has all the tropes of a slasher movie, but every single kill, it cuts away. Every single yeah. one to where it's like, fuck, that's the payoff. Like, when you go to a Friday the 13th film, the kill and the close-up on the kill is why you purchase the ticket for admission. That's, that's why we show up, is for those kill shots. That's what makes slashers great. This one was like, okay, it's a, it's a fucking slasher. One by one, the cast members are getting picked off, and every single time one of them is about to get it, they just fucking, they cut to back to the rest of the group to where it's like, oh, dude, it's like, it's like if, if you was banging... It's blue Yeah, balls, exactly. Man. It's like if you was banging chicks and stuff, and like, you just didn't finish. Like, that's the, this entire fucking movie was like, oh, shit, cool. Like, dialogue, 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 pranks, whatever. So it's like... To me, I, 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 I felt exactly the same way watching it this time that I did 25 fucking years ago, where I like I found myself, even though I like the characters, I found myself kind of bored, and then all of a sudden when it gets to the kill scenes, I'm like, cool, the good stuff. 
and then all of a sudden it would cut back to the fucking group for more dialogue and antics and things to where I'm like, all right, well, fuck, man. And when it gets to the finale, and I'm not going to go into everything right now, but when it gets to the finale, it's like, okay, cool. I still I still dig the finale and the buildup um, quite a bit. And even, you know, you know, Muffy's role in the finale, I still I really dig it because I was like, cool, now we're finally in slasher mode. And then you find out at the twist that, no, you're really not. So it's it's just weird, man. I, I, I found myself kind of struggling to get through this one a little bit. No, I, think I agree. A lot of it has to do with it's a, a case of mistaken identity. And, you know, even Fred Walton himself said, you know, the, the tragedy he thought or the great disappointment was that Paramount didn't know how to release it other than as a typical slasher picture. So most audiences came in expecting to see something they weren't going to see. It's exactly what you just said. And how do you market a movie like this? I mean, there really no. is no safe or I guess financially sound way to do that because you want people to come in thinking it's a slasher because it has those elements. It has those visuals, but it's really not. No, it's cool. It's not a slasher, but it's kind of a slasher. It's not a comedy, yeah. but it's kind it's, of a comedy. Yeah. But it's kind it's, of a comedy. It's more like yeah. a whodunit. That's it's, how you how you bill it, yeah. I guess. It's definitely mis- mystery, mystery. But but again, with a bunch of fucking young people and the sexual innuendos and stuff, all of the other elements are literally taken from all of the slashers that came before. Like it's literally, you could say Friday the Thirteenth, The Burning, Sleepaway Camp, all, all that shit, and you're trying to add a more mystery element, which I, I I definitely appreciate that they tried to take that direction. It didn't help the movie in the long run um, with the box office or anything like that, you know, and with critics, even at the time, you know, people were confused. They're like, well, I like these elements, but I don't like these elements. For me, I think that the suspense in the movie is really the most important factor. And it has that because it. I appreciate a solid thriller as much as I do a slasher. And I don't necessarily dislike the slashers that we don't see all the blood, guts, and gore. Because some of my favorite slashers, you don't see great kills. It's not a Friday the 13th, you know? Yeah, so it's like, I I, I appreciate what they tried to do. And, you know, the special effects, you know, I don't recall who it was that worked on this movie. But they were all well done for what they were, you know? So, um it, yeah. it really is that that whole mistaken identity where it's like, well, what is this movie trying to be versus what it is? You know what? What else is interesting is that this movie, you know, the jump, the finale jump scare was was such a prevalent thing in horror at the time too. So this movie again was a slasher film that wasn't really a slasher film, but they still included like a end jump scare at the end that you know was also. To try to, to try to fuck with your expectations yeah, which, a little bit. Which, oh, are they really going to do Which was something? also a fucking fake me out thing. It's weird, man. You know, I... <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the fucking jack-in-the-box winking, yeah, literally. literally. You, I could see that <sighs> pissing off so oh, many for sure. people. I, I guarantee motherfuckers booed at this shit when it came out. Oh, for sure. Just because I, of that. I, I commend the filmmakers uh, and Frank Mancuso Jr. and the studio for you know, really trying to do something different. And I respect that it is different, but had the kills, even if they were pseudo fake kills, been a little bit more intricate and not cut away. Um, and had some things been, been tweaked, you know, um, I, I feel like this, this could be beloved. Like, I don't know, like if I was doing April fool's day, like I would have it to where, yes, like it, 
it was all this big elaborate scheme to play the biggest April Fool's joke on a bunch of friends, and then someone actually does show up and starts killing these people, and then they don't know whether it's real or whether it's not real, so it's like, you know, half of it's prank, half of it's that's kill. A really, that's a really interesting, yeah, a really interesting direction. And then, of course, they would be totally caught off guard, and they would be really relaxed at that point because they'd be like, oh, it's all over with. It was just a prank. So if a real threat actually came into the picture, then it would be all that more terrifying. Yeah, imagine, imagine, so I lo- I, imagine I if the idea. first half of the movie was like all the pranks, and then the you know the twist at the end of April Fool's Day. What if that happened in the middle of the movie, and then back when they they were like, oh, you know, everything's fine. It was all a joke. It was all a prank, and then they really do start getting picked off for the last half of the film. Like I just, I think that's fucking rad, man. And I and I gotta be honest, I haven't seen the remake. Have you guys seen the remake? No, no. The Street to DVD. Yeah, no. It looked, it looked, no, it looked like no. some cock. <laughs> no, and I think that's one of the the things about this movie is it, it can really only work with that '80s charm of being an '80s movie and coming from that time period and produced by Paramount, who was known for the Friday the Thirteenth movies, which are you know, fucking all solid slashers in their own right. Doing a movie like this in a modern way, it's just I don't see it. I mean, it's possible if you got someone like, you know, the writer of Freaky or something sure. like that or the Happy Death Day movies. It is possible to do a black comedy slash satire on the slasher genre and do it right. But not April Fool's Day. I mean, no. once you know what's coming, you know yeah. what's coming. You can't really you can't really do that. over. It, what's again. strange, even though I, I just said that it was tough for me to get through. Um, I don't hate this movie because it has so many things in it that I do love. I love the cast. Um, I love some of the great dialogue. I do love some of the fake me out kills. Most importantly, two things. I love the look of the film. It looks 100%. Like all of the films that I adore. So it's like I watch it and I'm like, God damn, this is an 80s looking film. And that's the, the era of, of film that I love the most. And the box art, man. The box art and the look of this film. <laughs> Going back to that dude, box both, art. Both of those things I, I, I fucking love. So it's weird. Um, I probably won't see this again for another 25 years. But I, I'm okay with it and I don't hate it. I don't know. Well, you know, to comment on what you're saying about the look of the movie, there are brief shots in this that I would say, I would argue that rival Dean Cundy's work in Halloween. There's some beautiful cinematography in there by Charles Minsky and I'm telling you listen this guy was meant to do big things cuz later on in his career he shot Kazam with Shaq boom so you know wow you know if this movie was any I indication am. this guy was on fucking big things <laughs> the big shit and you know, Shaq and, Shaq you know, fucking I'll, sounds like the like like the laziest talker like he looks like he puts like he's <laughs> he's so he's so good at like you know like basketball and and all the other shit that he does that he's like, I'm not trying to put no effort into talking. Like, he just, he sounds like it's a lot for him just to fucking talk. He's like, I'm not, I don't really want to waste that much energy doing it. I gotta. Well, dude does fucking commercials for every single product known to man. Now, <laughs> the so. general insurance. Yep. Yeah, hey, come Jesus on down and buy one of cars. Dude, I gotta say though, his, the fucking videos that came out over the pandemic or even a little bit before where he was like <laughs> having like DJ parties dude, in his hilarious. house. He's doing like the drops. Oh my God, they're hilarious. Great. He's front dude. stage at like a, a EDM yeah. concert. 
I'm pretty sure I had not only just his one of his rap albums, but I definitely had Shaq Fu the fucking video game for Psycho. That was a big deal, man. Oh god. Yeah. But man, can you imagine if Shaq was in this movie? Hey, I'm in this April Fool's. No, of course, I mean you know, this is uh, you know, the mid eighties and it's a slasher slash horror movie, so of course you know that seeing a black character in a movie during that era was probably slim to none, unfortunately. But Shaq would be a very welcome addition to this cast. He is fantastic in Kazam and one of the best actors to ever come out of basketball. What the fuck am I talking about? I don't even know. <laughs> he was in Steel as well. Um, that's that bona fide classic. Maybe one day we'll delve into, you know, other shit kind of movie territory and we'll talk about Steel. Well, I mean, you could call those a horror horror films. <laughs> they are terrifying, but... One of the other things I wanted to point out that I thought was fantastic in the movie that adds to that beautiful horror cinematography is the score by amazing deadly friend composer Charles Bernstein, Emmy winner Charles Bernstein. I really enjoyed the score. It's very suspenseful and foreboding. And I think something so memorable about it is that that memorable echo, which plays perfectly for the setting about, you know, a house on a large body of water. Um, Have you guys ever... Do you guys ever put on subtitles when you watch a movie ever yes. like for any reason? Dude. Okay. So, so when this, when this score plays, cause I, sometimes I'll have it on just for dialogue in case I miss something. When that score played in quotation marks, it would just say suspenseful orchestral music. Yeah. Which I couldn't help but laugh at, but it's a great score. I think it's a it's, fantastic It's amazing. Score. Super it's amazing. Yeah. So, um, Brady, any other final words for you on the movie? No, man. I mean, I was just going to say, like, on this time around, I was definitely more interested in the individual pranks that were played. Right. Yeah, I agree uh, with you on that. So I was just going to ask you guys, like, what your favorite prank was, aside from the ending. Because my personal favorite would probably be when um, Rob and Kit are in the bedroom, and he's, like, upset because she's, like, trying to announce at the table that, that he's going to medical school and he's like, my counselor said I'm not dumb or I'm not serious enough. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, let's get the what champagne. What a whiny bitch that dude was. Seriously. He's the he same in Leprechaun. the entire fucking movie. They get to the bedroom and he goes to turn the light off and as he turns one off, another one pops on and he's just like getting so, because I have like, <laughs> you guys know the feeling of like when you're ready for bed and you're already angry and like something happens, the dog's whining, whatever, and you got to get up and you're just my like. My wife tries <sighs> to touch me. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to bed. I am no, celibate, no, no. You had, lady. <laughs> you had plenty of time to do that before we settled When in. I say it's time for bed, that means it's time for bed. Okay? No touching. But anyways, that's my favorite one. I thought that was funny. Uh, I, I, I think, chuckled I think, a lot at that. You know, the creepiest one probably, is, and, and the weirdest one is like the tape recording of a baby in the closet. Ugh. I don't know. It's That's fucking, that sound in general. And, and I'm sure, Jeremy, uh, more recently than... Well, I know you'll never have kids, Brady. Yeah, that's right. Um, no one will reproduce with you. Jeremy, more, no one. More, more recently <laughs> is used to that sounded for me. I've always hated that sound so fucking much. So that or I don't know the the, the, the cat clock behind the, the page. I just laughed at that one. That oh, can hilarious. you imagine my offspring be a little bee ratty junior with a little rat tail? <laughs> they're like, they're like, I don't want to be your spawn. Take me to Mennonite school. He's he going to come like out Keith of the womb from, with that uh, fucking... From <laughs> Righteous Gemstones. Night, night. Brother, brother Kelvin. Um. Night, night. Better name that baby. Baby Billy Freeman. Uncle Baby Billy. Um, Go on outside, nerd. <laughs> fucking... Yeah, but no. BJ. He's going to come out of the womb with a fucking... 
Jim Gordon mustache, man. Um, Rocking that shit. I've been trying to rock this for like a year and a half. Proud now. of you. Uh, my favorite prank-ish thing, and it was is also the light, like you, Brady. Like, I, I, I think it was just a, a really great moment because even though, uh, you know, the dude is like upset and shit like that. Like Amy Steele is like trying to console him, and she's like, "No, it's okay, it's okay." And like as frustrated as he is, he's like just trying to turn off the light and go to sleep. He's he's already angry. And every light he turns off. I'm in my tidy yeah, whities Another light turns on. I just, I, I also really enjoyed that one. So I'm going to ask you guys this because you guys grew up in this era. Did all underwear look like you were wearing a diaper? Dude, yes. I, okay. I didn't start wearing boxers until I was in underwear? middle school. <laughs> middle school. I knew you were going to say that. Me too, man. Me too. I didn't even know they existed. I didn't know what no. they were. Until I, and then, yeah. then I, I remember being in gym class in, in middle school and like... <laughs> Oh my God! You're gonna say dude, the same thing. Dude, I was I was, say. I was I wearing whitey tighties and, and like one of the kids was like, "Yo, motherfucker, you wearing whitey tighties?" And I was like, "What? What are you? What are? What are you? What are you wearing?" And he's like, "Motherfucker, I'm wearing boxes so my nuts can breathe." And I was like, "All right, they can do that." I'm wearing my I'm wearing my no fear boxes. No fear, bitch. bitch. Got the dog on them and everything. That's right. Oh, oh. So I was like, I was. I think we're, I went home and was like, "Mom, I can't wear." Whitey tidies anymore, man. Kids are saying shit, so. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first time I wore a pair of boxers and I got them and they were like super silky. And I was like, oh shit, dude, my balls can hang in these super comfortable. Yeah. Um, all these years later, I don't wear underwear at all. Though, really? So. Like my, Mike, my dad, he doesn't wear. He doesn't wear. Or, yeah, or, having or any, condoms, more kids apparently. Or, anything, so. or condoms. <laughs> I don't wear shit down there. I'm probably going to have like ball cancer. Or ball something. So you don't cancer. wear underwear Call even like that. if you have like denim jeans on bro i wore denim jeans yesterday when me and the wife went to go buy a new couch and my balls were sweating i could feel it <laughs> dripping down my leg but no i don't i just you know you know pre-covid i was wearing them because i had to go to work but when i started working from home i either wear my fucking sleepaway camp short shorts or if i have to wear pants i wear them and then i come back home and put the short shorts Hold on, back do you on. do you wear underwear oh, with I the short you, shorts <laughs> fuck oh no my god you're like the underwear would be longer than the short shorts dude no man, they're have you they're seen these short for, shorts? Yeah, they're meant for for dudes to see your balls and dick hang out at the gym. So I I don't, I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah, you do like an overhead press, and all of a sudden, boop, just falls out. <laughs> <laughs> actually, yeah, that does actually almost happen. But I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm like, you go to the gym, and if if a girl has a nip slip or a butt slip or something, that's fine. So if my nut comes out, it's like not going to be a problem at all. I'm not. I don't see that as you know. Who's gonna be really offended by? I, uh, it? It's almost like uh, I'll you just guys give have seen wink and... you, you guys have seen waiting, right? Yeah. It's almost like that. We make it a game at the gym. Who has to look at somebody else's nuts? Dude, I love how we're talking about waiting tighties. Dude, nuts yeah, right uh, I had a guitar player in one of my bands named Chris. That he he wore these Dickies pants, and the word Dickie uh, mm, really mm. really is prevalent in this story. So uh, he had these Dickies pants that he really liked, but the zipper always accidentally came down on them. Like, they never stayed up for long. And so this was, like, back in the day when you wore boxers that had, like, the little button in in the crotch area so you could unbutton them and take your dick those, out. yeah. Well, <laughs> great concept. <laughs> so he was, in, he was in high school, and he was in, like, TV production class or something, and he said in the morning they all got in a circle and, like, did some type of, like, morning exercise or whatever. And he said that all of a sudden he just felt a chill, and he said he looked down, <sighs> and he said... Not only had the button became unbuttoned in his boxers, but his dicky zipper had came down and his fucking whole dick was hanging out of his pants in class. 
And he's the mushroom dude, was out. He said he like was like, damn, why is it cold in my crotch? And he said he looked down, and he said that when he looked down, he noticed a couple <laughs> other kids look too, and his fucking dick was hanging. He was like, oh, and like put his dick back in his pants. But could you imagine? Could you imagine the terror of I was in a circle of peers, and my dick appeared suddenly out of nowhere. That's like every well, high school kid's a, nightmare. That's an entirely different kind of circle. <laughs> we're yeah, talking about dude. that. Oh, man. So that story's always stuck with me because I'm like, yo, that's like one of my worst fears is that my dick is just going to be out in public somewhere. Have you guys ever had that happen? Real talk? Like worried? Not that you know that somebody saw it, but are you worried that there has been a situation where somebody might have seen your dick? Um, I'm, I'm positive that just in every Monday, Wednesday and Friday when you're at the gym. Yes, I know. Listen, no, I'm saying even like, Justin's like, I work out way more than that. There used to be a brother, brother, brother. brother. They used to be, uh, this guy that I I go to this bar all the time called Shigundas. This is like, we're talking like 18 years ago or whatever (laughs) shithole dive bar. And every every time he saw me, cause I would, I'd usually go there late at night and I would be wearing like tough guy, hardcore gym shorts and shit. No underwear underneath usually when I wore the gym shorts, even back then. Mm-hmm. And he'd always see me wear the shorts, and he every time he'd get a chance, he'd try to pants me. Oh, my God. Yeah, we'd all be hammered and shit. And he he definitely did on a few occasions where, like, you know, packed, tiny bar packed, and he'd come up from behind me coming out of the bathroom or something, and he would just pull him right down. Mm-hmm. So that that is actually, on more than one occasion, occurred, and I did not give a fuck. I mean, I tried to punch him afterwards just because, you know, go fuck you yourself, bro, yeah. but... Yeah, you, I don't think whatever, I don't man. think I've don't had any balls. public prying eyes staring at my fucking dick. Um, I don't think that's happened to me. Not that I can think of offhand, because uh, I have been very yeah. concerned that that would be a thing one day. I feel like I I check my zipper constantly, like because my mm. my buddy Chris's story fucked me up so much that I feel like I do check my zipper quite frequently every day. Yeah, I uh, I know for a fact that people have seen my penis because. I used to have to strip down to take a shit, like completely nude. Dude, so did I. Whether I was at so home or in public, yeah. If, I, if I'm, I told you if I'm home, I'm still getting butt naked to take shit. Oh yeah, there's nothing like just taking the ultimate free dump. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I gotta say, I gotta comment though, real quick. Though, you know, you know, we're not going off on a tangent too far because this show has always covered the discussion and topic of taking shits and dicks yeah two huge subjects on this show always so you know to new new, new listeners get used to hearing this on and one occasion if you're just like what is <laughs> happening right now fucking it's april fools april fools bitches yeah ha 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 I, I that's really funny fools. you guys fuck you but anyways so yeah that's uh that's all of our our that, hanging dick stories that's all of our no, I got plenty of yeah. more than that, but we don't, that's like a whole other, maybe that'll be like a, we'll have to ask our listeners if they want a full Patreon episode. I'd be more than happy to sit down and, and, and talk more about that kind of shit. But no, I mean like this movie uh, in a nutshell, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's a, uh, some could look at it as a mixed bag. I, I always have a lot of fun with this movie and I understand, you know, why it, it won't work for some people, but I like the characters are so endearing to me. The dialogue is written so well. It's got a very solid direction. I love the score. Uh, I do agree with Jeremy that it holds back on the kills, but that doesn't necessarily bother me because I know in the end of the movie, there's a reason for that. If we saw like a dude getting an ax in the head, 
that would be a lot less believable when you figure out at the end. Spoiler alert, none, no one actually gets killed. Every single kill is off screen for the most part, and no one actually dies in the movie oh. at all. Not a single death in the movie. Nope. So, yeah, the movie ends with <laughs> Amy Steele comes in the room and she's fucking pissed. Like she, she great performance by her in this movie, by the way, because she's really angry that she's been fucked with. You know, Muffy plays this evil sister character, Buffy, where she looks fucking deranged and terrifies the shit out of her. And I think anyone would be scared. And I would be the friend where I'd be like, go fuck yourself. I'm leaving now. I wouldn't just be like, yeah, sit down and we're going to have a good time. So you can tell me what you did. You know, no, I'm out of here. Seriously. You fucked with me. You busted my balls way too hard. I'm out. Well, so, poor Rob stuck in the closet. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> he got, he, he got gets, it. The he worst. gets the shit end of this. He got it. The worst. Yeah, yeah. He definitely did. But yeah, so the movie, I, I can see, like I said earlier on in the episode, I could see audiences going to this having it be marketed as a Paramount Pictures slasher movie and walking out and, you know, the Jack in the Box winking at the the audience says it all, really. Like, audiences don't like to be fucked with. They don't like their expectations to be messed around with versus what they think they're going to receive and what they get. It's just, a lot of times it doesn't work. It's like M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Remember how fucking angry people were over that fucking movie? Oh, were they oh, furious? That, I never saw it. Well, it's because it's supposed to be historical, and at the end they figure out, oh, it's actually it's modern, modern time. time it's it's like live. essentially a cult. Yeah. It lives in the woods with no technology, and there's no, there's not even any like it was billed as a monster movie, and there's like you find out there's no fucking monsters. It's modern time. Okay, to you guys, to you guys, that community seems unrealistic. But coming from me, You're like that shit is real, bro. I lived that shit. I was like, damn, you yeah. lived that shit. I lived yeah. that shit. That shit was my life. Are we trashing or treasuring this movie, guys? Yeah, no, I mean, we've got to go around the horn here. I'll start with Brad. Birata. So, I like the characters. I like the music. There's a lot to like about the movie, but I got to trash it, man. Like, it, it doesn't have enough rewatchability where I can watch it every year. Like, it's going to take some time in between. I think it's a good movie if maybe, like, you have a group of friends that you want to show to and you already are in on the twist just to see their reaction, but I... I, I don't know, man. Like, the movie's cool, but all it made me do is go watch Friday the 13th right afterwards. So I I got to trash it. Oh, you you watch Friday the 13th movies every day anyways. That's- yeah, and, and but I watched this one. Love Amy Steele. I think she was phenomenal in this movie, especially the ending with the chase and how mad she is. And she's just, like, really selling it. But I, I, I just don't think there's enough in this movie. And like Jeremy said, it's too wordy. Like there's so much dialogue in this, and yeah, you laugh at it, and it's funny. It's but like it's like almost like Tarantino wrote this. Yeah, it, it just there's no payoff whatsoever. That's fair. So I gotta trash it. Uh, yeah, like I said, there are some things that I that I like about it. Um, you know, I'm a collector, as you guys know. Uh, I like getting autographs from films that I dig. Uh, I can safely say that I, I don't own an April Fool's autograph nor poster. I do have the DVD, like I said, but uh, that's that's the extent of it. I, I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I, I'm going to trash it as well because this is not a movie that I go to. It's not, it's not something that I love. This does have a cult following because going to the conventions, there are people that love this thing. I, I've seen April Fool's Day shirts. 
people getting the autographs. So this is a cult film. I'm just not part of that cult. I'm not in on it. Uh, I don't love it. And uh, yeah, I'm trashing it because I just, it's not something I'm going to rush back to watch again. Totally understandable. Well, I'm going to come out on the other end of that. I think I got to give the movie credit for at least attempting to subvert expectations during a time when most slashers followed a really simple formula and the same tropes. This does have some of the same tropes, but it tries to do something fresh and different. A lot like what we got with Freaky and Happy Death Day, those movies as modern horror movies and takes on slasher movies work way better than this. But this was an early conception of that idea that you could take this basic concept play with it a little bit, have a little fun with it. And like the other boys already said, the characters are all fantastic. I love the dialogue actually in this because it seems like someone that knows how to write wrote the dialogue. And of course, Biff fucking Tannen. McFly, anybody home? Don't be so gullible, McFly. Any movie with Thomas F. Wilson in it is going to make me like it. So I watch this almost every year on April Fool's Day. My wife, strangely enough, loves this movie which is weird. She actually looks forward to watching it. Um, whereas a lot of other slasher movies, when I throw them on or movies of that era, and I hate to keep calling it a slasher because at its core, it's really not, but it is so confusing, but no, she, she enjoys this one. And this is one that we, I, we just have a lot of fun with it, you know? So I'm going to treasure it. It's a movie that I like. Would I buy a t-shirt of it? Uh, probably not. What if I met Amy Steele, would I have her sign a poster of it? Probably not, but I do own the Blu-ray and I do watch it a lot and I really It's not a like it's it. not it's a, a lot of bad fun. movie. It's just not a movie no, that I not. love. Like everything about it is really Yeah, it's a really it's well really made well made. Movie. It's not a piece of shit movie, so I'm not saying I trash it because I'm like, oh that fucking piece of shit. I just know that I'm not gonna like rush back to watch it. So there it is. Yeah. That's yeah, that's how, ladies and how it fell for me. Yeah. That's that's it for this special April Fool's Day episode on April Fool's Day. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, seriously, like there's a place you can go to tell us that you like what you're hearing. Jeremy, you should tell them where they can find that place. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on the show again, Juice. Uh, <laughs> Brendan, it was nice seeing you as well. Uh, if what fucking year did Jurassic Park come out? That was like 1993. 19, 19, 93, yeah, in 1993, right. I saw the biggest pile of shit I ever seen on screen ever it was a dinosaur shit and if if the shit was that big how big was the dick it was hanging right above where it came out <laughs> that's that's the question i gotta ask and uh uh geo cities uh uh servers down so uh the website's not up right now uh my nephew uh larry he's he's working on it as we speak now actually he's fucking he's at the bar but uh Probably this weekend he's going to work on it a little bit. Um, so thanks for that, Justin. Yeah, head over to the Angel Fire instead. Um, but no, ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you like what you're hearing, seriously, it's really simple. It takes two seconds. Head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Or if you use Spotify, it's even easier. You just have to leave a star rating. You don't even have to say a thing. It's really simple. And if you want to chat with us, I don't really plug this often enough. We have a fan group. It's called Official Fan Group. If you go to our Facebook page, just search Epic Film Guys and you'll see it. You oh, shit. Join uh, and- MySpace.com <laughs> oh, oh, no, here it is. slash Epic Film Dumpster <laughs> backslash. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I don't know. I think we might be on MySpace. I think we might have started this at a time when I don't know who the fuck knows. Um, but... <laughs> 
Thanks again for listening. And of course, I'm, I'm Justin. Jeremy. I'm Brady. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Too bad you're crazy. Too bad you're loony as hell. So long it could have been spelled together. Too bad you're a wacko. Yeah, I'm gonna end it there. <laughs>